Welcome to part two of our exploration of chapter four uh, and the religions of the classical era. We are now going to take a look at, at Christianity here. So uh, Christianity, uh, key thing to know, there is one major major figure in the start of this, uh, that started this tradition, and that guy's name is Jesus, and he's from Nazareth, uh, which was in um, uh, which was in ancient Israel, um, although Israel wasn't it at the time, it was a conquered Roman province. Um, or a loyal Roman province uh, under the rulership of Herod um, and his children, but uh, he founds it. Uh, he actually doesn't. He's not. He's not really an active minister or preaching it for very long. It's about three years, but his his teachings are so radical that he gets crucified. Um, he's kind of a revolutionary firebrand. He's not necessarily calling for um, a a political revolution or anything like that outright, but he also kind of is. And he's talking about a religious re revolution. Uh, which is why he gets kind of the followers and he gets people worked up. Now, people kind of misinterpreted what he was saying and they were thinking he might bring about a new um, uh, a new kingdom, which is then what gets some people upset with him. Uh, and instead he's talking about just a new way of life for everyone to to live, which then kind of develops into Christianity, although that wasn't his, his goal. So um, what to remember about Jesus or what do you need to know about him? One. I mean, minister for kind of three years, and then he's really a wisdom teacher, and he challenges the values of the the Jewish uh, temple back then, uh, and the Jewish faith, and also the the Romans. And he he says that you don't need wealth. Uh, you got the famous uh, lines and uh, that he says of that it's it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get into heaven. Um, which then, again, heaven reminds us, remember, go back to Zarathustra um, and Zoroastrianism, and we get um, kind of that idea of that heaven uh, coming from there, most likely. Um, he continues this uh, one, one God thing, and uh, he's attributed or claims to be uh, the son of God. And um, really the big thing, though, that he does is he speaks up for the poor people and the oppressed. And this is where his message will ring truest. Uh, and we'll get the most people to follow him. And so we'll see it spread throughout the poor first, and then it'll eventually be, be adopted by the uh, more elites in society when they realize, oh, um, this is getting really popular and we got to do something about it. Either we got to join them or we got to fight them. And they tried fighting them for a few hundred years and realized that they couldn't get rid of them. And so they then joined them. Uh, so getting to the spread now, the, the one really critical person uh, in this spread is you have these disciples that were were his followers but there's one guy that comes in later uh, named Saul whose name turns to Paul when he converts to Christianity um, but he's a Roman citizen and this is a crucial thing because most uh, Jesus wasn't a Roman citizen so he had less rights and and most of the, or all the disciples were weren't uh, Roman citizens and so they had less rights than than a normal uh, Roman citizen so Paul is a upper class person he's able to travel around the empire. Um, and he, he can do a lot more than the others can. And uh, he really becomes a messenger to the Gentiles or the people that aren't Jewish in, in spreading this faith. And so he's really the one to be credited with this becoming a, a universal religion because he, he changes a few things here and there. Um, but both, both men are looking to reform things um, and, and fix the way of life. And he tries to use Jesus' teachings as he understands them to um, kind of spread the faith and, and bring it about. So... Um, Paul is, is one thing to, to bring in here with Paul, uh, and then we'll kind of move away from him and go to the early church. Uh, but uh, Paul, um, 
the textbook, I'm going to disagree with the textbook and what it says. The, the textbook says Paul is not as inclusive as uh, Jesus was with women. Women, or, And this is another thing that Christianity did different, or at least the early church, and it brought women in. Um, the textbook, I would argue, is wrong on its interpretation of Paul. Uh, Paul very much brought women into the scope of things. He used women in, in certain areas. Um, some people attributed that Paul... Uh, wasn't much for uh, women or bringing them up because there's lines in there like uh, women respect or listen to what your husband says. But that's taken out of context, context because if you listen to the next thing, um, Paul then says the opposite of that. and Or, or the, the second thing to that is men need to listen to their wives and be obedient to them as well. So it goes both ways. Um, so I would disagree with that there, but I don't think we'll see any questions that kind of come up that way. Um, the patriarchy that we see happen in the church happens more 300 years down the road when we get to uh, Constantine and the adoption of it by the state. So, um, yeah, the the book, though, if you looked at the book, it points out that women weren't supposed to speak in the church or he had a negative view of them. Uh, but Mary would eventually get a cult following. Again, I would say this stuff probably should be more attributed to the church later on than to Paul. Um, but women do get a voice in the church when they get kind of pushed out by the Romans, uh, and that they can go to monasteries. This is going to be a unique thing, a unique thing at this time, because in all the other faiths, they're kind of pushed out and marginalized. And the only other place we see this really happen is in Buddhism. So, uh, moving away from Paul, um, the the big things to look at is the early church again is more about the poor or lower class citizens. Uh, the wealthy will eventually get involved when they start to see things kind of going uh, towards that. And uh, this message will, will spread uh, kind of all across the, the Western world at this time. Um, it'll go really primarily, it focuses on Europe and Eastern Europe with uh, Greece and in the Mediterranean world, kind of all around the Mediterranean world, North Africa, um, all of Western Europe will eventually get it. Uh, that might happen a little bit later than the Roman Empire here, but um, It'll get to kind of all that by the end of the Roman Empire. Uh, it's spread throughout its territories. And it's also gone down to Africa, uh, to modern-day Ethiopia. That'll be a bastion of it where it'll, where it'll main throughout uh, history, uh, as well as it'll spread to India, but it really doesn't make much headway to India um, or in China if it, it spreads across the Silk Road and gets there. It, it doesn't do a heck of a lot there just because of the other traditions that are already there. So... Um, uh, another major group to remember, though, is the Armenians in the Middle East. Uh, they will be another bastion of Christianity that stays there when we talk about... And, and the reason why it's important to point the, the Ethiopians and Armenians uh, out is because um, they'll be kind of the last um, followers of it, the last major followers in each of their respective areas, because uh, when Islam comes about, it'll it'll wipe through those territories and, and become the predominant religion. Um, now... With all this territory that the uh, Christianity spreads to, uh, it will uh, change. Uh, it'll change as it goes to areas because it's 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 a living thing, and people you get people to read one document, and and you'll get five million different interpretations from the five million people that read it, um, or you might get five million different interpretations from three million people that read it because we all create our own opinions on things and so uh christianity is very diverse in its views there's uh one of the main debates is how uh, how much of god is in jesus how much of a god is jesus is he half man half half god is he fully god and fully human is he just human and then became god afterwards what happens so that's an early church fight 
And um, it'll... The only thing that's going to stop that fight, the only thing that really ends that fight, is that the Roman Empire under Constantine will eventually adopt it. And under the Council of Nicaea, um, where if you have the, if you know the Nicene Creed, um, under that it'll finally be solved. And um, he'll come down and say that it's this way. And so that's where you get the, the majority view that uh, Jesus is both fully human and fully God at the, the same time. But that'll even still be debated after him. Um, so, uh, Constantine will be the first Christian to adopt it. Uh, this is, uh, I can't remember the specific date here. It's around 330 or so, uh, CE. So about 30 years or 300 years after, after the founding of the religion or the start of it under Jesus. And, um, he doesn't fully, he doesn't fully become a Christian, uh, or doesn't get baptized and show that he's a true Christian until, uh, his deathbed. Uh, which was actually typical at the time getting baptized on your deathbed because they believed that your sins could only be forgiven one time with the baptism. So you better do it right before you die. Otherwise, you're going to be uh, impure again when you go to, to heaven and you won't be able to make it there. So um, he wants to unite this uh, diverse empire that he has though under this one religion. So he makes it okay and he starts um, moving in and making more uh, Christian temples and um, starts to make it a major religion and starts to bring everyone under one idea. Um, with with his councils like the Council of Nicaea. So he does that. That then sets it up for Theodosius after that to um, fully adopt it, say this is the official religion of our empire and all other religions need to go away. And so he bans all the polytheistic traditions and stuff like that, and those go kind of underground just like Christianity was underground to start with. And um, one thing to remember with Christianity being underground is these people were persecuted against and they were tortured, they were imprisoned, they were fed to lions and animals. Uh, other animals in the arena and stuff like that for for sport. Um, but after after um, Theodosius adopts it, all that stuff stops, and really after after Constantine adopts it, all that stuff stops. Um, and then what happens? What we see is this this the church that you might see your picture today starts to come about, and so um, the the actual institutions of here's the church, here's the the popes and their power, the bishops and their power really start to be fully developed under Constantine and then after that in the Roman Empire. And this is where we see the hierarchy coming about of here's the, the patriarch or pope, um, here's the bishops, here's the priests, here's the laity, and then there's everyone else. Laity are all the, the workers that help out. This is where women really get pushed out of the church. And um, this is where you start to get big churches because you didn't have churches before because it was illegal. And so you just met in people's homes. And... Um, in, in some faiths after, um, you can see that women have started to make their way back into the church. Uh, if you're in a Protestant church, um, usually they're more open to women being involved and you have female pastors and stuff like that. Whereas the Catholic and Eastern Orthodox churches uh, are not very open to that, uh, because of the traditions that have gone on now from 300 or so CE to today. So you're talking about 1700 years or so, um, that, they they try to to keep down so um final things to to kind of go through here uh is although the church is unified under constantine it is not fully unified uh there's going to be a fight uh there's actually going to be several fights on on what the trinity looks like in jesus and 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 all those types of things what books should be in the bible and there are a couple councils like nicaea that you see in there that i've already talked about there's chalcedon that try to resolve these things um, but eventually we're going to see a split happen here because 
the the Eastern Roman Empire, uh, which will remain um, after the fall of Rome uh, in 476, will have a different view than the West or Western Europe, and um, they'll lead to a split around 1000 CE. But we'll get to that when we get to Era Three. So. Um, that's kind of uh, it for here with the, the Christianity. I guess maybe one final thing to talk about is just uh, one final thing to leave you off with. By the time we get to the end of the Roman Empire, those, those two churches are starting to split in the East and the West. And so in the West, you have them looking to the Pope, who really becomes a uniter of all of Western Europe once it's adopted there. And then in the East, you have the Patriarch in Constantinople, who's tied with the Emperor, because uh, the Emperor also is, is uh, kind of critical, critical in this. And actually, that brings up a uh, so we'll f finish with this in the east uh there's a term that you need to know called caesaropapism which uh gives the the uh, caesar or the the leader of the east the power also to be the religious leader and this was true in the roman empire in the west before the fall uh but it goes away and the pope becomes the kind of leader in the the view of that but in the east uh the the emperor is the the spiritual leader and and the um the governmental leader and all that stuff um, but he is guided by the patriarch with, with things because they're more the experts, but the, the emperor can kind of overrule him. So one final thing, remember that term, Caesaropapism, and then um, next up we'll look at the, the philosophies in China.